Welcome to MBA Storytime. I'm Jamil Johnson. Today I'm telling a video game ghost story, one that took place in arcades way back in the dark and dreary 1990s. Ooh, beepers, payphones, fax machines, you know, outdated shit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For those too young to remember, an arcade was the place you had to go to play video games and buy cigarettes. Imagine, if you will, an offline meeting center for gamers. Add some sketchy eight-year-olds you've never seen in your life, you're starting to get the picture. Now, assuming we're not all living in a simulation already, machines can't think. They're fucking machines. They do cool shit, but you gotta program them and tell them to do that shit. Sometimes those lines of code can get jingle jangled and mingle mangled. A computer can spin out of control. And if you're not Keanu Reeves from the Matrix, shit will start to get messed up real bad. I know I'm definitely not Keanu Reeves, though sometimes I wish I was. <laughs> You're breathtaking. Side note, I saw him once at a diner and was too scared to speak. When these inexplicably freaky things happen, programmers call it a ghost in the machine. Today, our story is about a ghost in the arcade game. NBA Jam to be specific. If you were a kid before the internet, you probably played NBA Jam or at least knew what it was. It was right there alongside games like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Cowabunga! Cruising USA, and Philadelphia the movie, The Pinball Machine. If your arcade didn't have NBA Jam, I regret to inform you, but your arcade was trash. Welcome to NBA Jam! NBA Jam stood out because it was fun as hell and allowed players to play a high-flying, dunk-tastic version of two-on-two basketball using real NBA players on real NBA teams and real politicians. The Clintons were on the home version, but that's a whole nother story time. There are three things that set NBA Jam apart from other games. Besides being possessed by spirits, Jam was one of the first video games to hold the license from an entire league which meant the game was full of real NBA teams and players. Better yet, the players actually looked like their real-life NBA counterparts because just like Midway's other arcade staple, Mortal Kombat, they used real photographs to make the avatars. Unfortunately for Charles Barkley, the only photo they had available was him asleep at Larry Bird's house. Incredible. Then there was the physicality of the game. Midway also got their idea for NBA Jam for Mortal Kombat. I'm just kidding. They got it from a game called Arch Rivals, where you could punch the opponent to retrieve the ball. The NBA wouldn't let Jam go quite that far, but a hard forearm would knock players down and send the loose ball bouncing away. On top of this, they added preposterously high dunks. Even normal-sized humans like Spud Webb could take off from the free throw line, do a flip, windmill that shit, and still bang his shins on the rim before a slam. Then there was the announcer. 
Yeah! NBA Jam came equipped with a commentary that would redefine the basketball lexicon. Voice actor Tim Kutrow became a pseudo-carnival barker shouting basketball-adjacent inanities to draw people to the cabinet. What's an inanity, you ask? I think it's like a manatee. Developers thought that the boisterous, vibrant game calls coming from the game would draw in prospective players more than the standard beeps and boops. Basically, they took the idea of the announcer at Rucker Park and asked, what if it was a white guy? And the rest was history. NBA Jam was a huge success. Most coin-op arcade cabinets pulled less than $1,000 a weekend. Mortal Kombat, which was incredibly popular at the time, raked in anywhere between $1.2 and $1.4,000 a week. NBA Jam dunked on them all at $2.2,000 a week. Kids lined up in waves four deep to play and put so many quarters in the machine, the coin drawer needed to be emptied twice a day. It became a cultural sensation. People started yelling like the announcer while playing actual basketball. Guys in the league went crazy for it. Shaq loved Jam so much, he bought a cabinet for his house and one to take on the road with him while he played for the Magic. He bought a plane ticket for an arcade machine. Players like Gary Payton and Michael Jordan, who were left out of the game, demanded to be put in special cabinets made just for them. Even Ken Griffey Jr. had himself added to his personal cabinet, backwards cap and all. When all was said and done, NBA Jam cabinets made $1 billion in quarters. So what does all this have to do with the haunting? Well, it means the game was loud and it was everywhere. But before I get to the poltergeist, I need to get to the programming. NBA Jam has a lot of stuff going on. There were all 27 NBA teams. Each team had two players. Each player had four stats. It was a lot to cram into a motherboard that had the same computing power as a graphing calculator. There were also some, shall we say, extracurricular lines in the code? NBA Jam developer Mark Turnwell was from Detroit and hated the Chicago Bulls. So he programmed the Bulls to miss last-second shots. Then there's all the secret characters. Turnwell and others working on the game at Midway made themselves unlockable characters. There were gameplay cheats too, like Big Head Mode, which players unlocked by holding up the turbo button and the steal button until tip-off. As NBA Jam launched in May of 1993, Croatian NBA star Drajan Petrovic's New Jersey Nets were bounced in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Petrovic used the opportunity to travel back to Europe to play with his national team in the Eurobasket qualifiers. On June 7th, on a rain-soaked Autobahn, a semi-truck broke through the median, crashing into Petrovic's car as he and his girlfriend were driving back to Croatia. He was killed instantly. Please join us in observing a moment of silence in memory of Drazen. Petrovic. Midway scrambled to remove Petrovic as a playable character from new cabinets of NBA Jam, which is weird to me. I don't care if he's dead. He was still the best guy on the Nets. Damn. Problem was, there had been thousands already shipped with him in the game. Fans could pay tribute to the fallen basketball star by shooting the lights out with his avatar in NBA Jam. And that could have been the end of it if it weren't for a weird set of occurrences. Remember when I told you NBA Jam was loud? And because it was a massive super hit, it was everywhere? And it had a ton of weird code? 
And because it was an arcade cabinet, it was left on for hours at a time. All those things combined led to a glitch. The ghost in the machine. Stories of the glitch had been traveling around by word of mouth from arcade employee to arcade employee, kid to kid, until it was confirmed by lead NBA Jam developer Mark Turnwell himself. If you leave an original NBA Jam cabinet on demo mode long enough, this will happen. It doesn't happen with any other players. It doesn't happen at any other times. Somewhere in the code of the game, a misplaced bracket or a wayward comma turned original NBA Jam cabinets into a mournful reminder of an NBA legend taken too soon. So, if you're ever alone at the bar late at night after a Nets game is over and the NBA Jam cabinet has been left on for just a bit too long, well, you might not really be alone. listening to NBA Storytime. I'm your host, co-writer, and stretch three on the floor, Jamel Johnson. Harry Swartout is our producer, co-writer, and a man heavily invested in rec specs. Daniel Hardigan is our script editor and the guy who mops up after people who fall down under the basket. Haley O'Shaughnessy is our consulting producer and leading the league in bench points. Kevin Shepard is our production coordinator and the only one who makes sure we all get on the team bus on time. John Yales and Peter Moses are our executive producers, and they also insisted on calling their own fouls. Real good to you guys. NBA Storytime is a Blue Wire podcast. Catch you next time.